Good evening and welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. I'm James Brierton in Charlotte, North Carolina. It is Wednesday, August the 4th, 2021. Hopefully you're enjoying these very comfortable temperatures we have across the Carolinas right now. 73 degrees here in Charlotte. I'm also joined by Jared Smith, who was just telling me about the very comfortable weather he's having in Charleston, South Carolina. What are your temperatures like there right now, uh, Jared? So right now, if I look at my, my trusty, uh, it's a 73 in Charleston, mm. and, and today we only topped out at 77. And that's significant because that is a new record low maximum for the date August 4th. The previous record was 80 yeah. degrees set in 1969. So this is a pretty old record uh, that we uh, blew away today. And I don't think anyone is complaining about hearing anything related to a, a record high of some sort that involves the term 77 degrees because that is really nice. We yeah, had some drizzle, but we'll take it. We want to know what the uh, weather is like in your neighborhood. Share with us. Ryan says it was an AC free day and it was the second one for us here in Charlotte after a very hot and humid last week. We'll have more heat and humidity returning. So if you're joining us live right now, uh, we want to know what the weather is like where you are. But that is not tonight's main topic. So while you guys are sounding off about temperatures, let me introduce what we're going to be talking about tonight. It is a change to the wireless emergency alert system. Those are the severe Weather warnings that come straight to your phone, no app required. You probably are familiar with them from tornado warnings and flash flood warnings. Well, now there's a new special tier of severe thunderstorm warnings called destructive. And those are also going to come to your phone because just like the the naming recommends, these are destructive storms. Uh, so in just a moment, we're going to talk about what you can expect to start to see on your phone. And then after that, we're going to go back down to uh, Charleston and talk to our friend Jared, because we are approaching the statistical average of uh, most activity in the Atlantic Basin for the hurricane season. That's next month. But right now we're coming up a very steep kind of incline that we see year over year. And the outlook in the Atlantic right now is giving us the first signs that it's revving up its engine. So we'll go back down to Jared in just a few moments uh, and and get the latest on what is happening in the tropics. But first, let's talk more about those wireless emergency alerts. And to do that, we're going to roll a piece of tape from an interview we brought you earlier in the year. If you want to watch the full interview, it's linked right now in the uh, show description. But it's an interview that our pals Scotty Powell and Evan Fisher conducted with Trisha Palmer. She is the warning coordination meteorologist at the National Weather Service office in Greenville, Spartanburg. They cover upstate South Carolina, portions of Western North Carolina, including where I am in Charlotte. And they talked about some of the changes uh, that were going to be coming to the wireless alert system uh, that started just this week on August 2nd. So let's play a little bit of uh, that interview that they uh, had earlier in the year. They're going to talk about those forthcoming changes that have now taken effect and also help you get prepared for severe weather by breaking down the differences between watches and warnings and other parts of uh, severe weather that we see here often in the Carolinas. So uh, let's roll that tape. Folks who, who may not be uh, up to par with all their weather knowledge, you know, there's a lot of confusion about a watch and a warning and exactly what that means. Can you tell us uh, the difference between those? Okay, so a watch is issued when conditions are favorable 
for the hazardous weather to occur. So like a tornado watch would be, you know, we've got the environment there, we're expecting storms to fire. The watch phase is, depending on the type of the of severe weather we're looking at, the watch phase, that's the time that you make your final preparations. You get everything into place. Maybe um, if it's a tornado watch, you you have a you have your stuff together that you can just grab your, your helmet and your shoes and your purse or whatever and take it down to the basement. Um, but you can just, you can carry on with what you're doing, but just have everything ready to go. And then a warning is issued when the severe weather threat is imminent or occurring. And that means you need to take action now. So again, in the case of a tornado warning, you need to get in, get down, cover up. So get your helmet on, get your shoes on, cover up with a blanket or pillow or whatever, get into your bath, bathtub, bathroom, interior hallway, basement. That's when you put your action plan into place. And so Trish, over the last few years, we've started seeing these impact-based warnings where um, it used to be a whole county, now it's narrowed down to a polygon. Uh, New this year is a new tiered severe thunderstorm warning. I believe that goes in effect towards the end of April, uh, end Mm -hmm. of this month. So uh, I know it's kind of fresh, a new fresh product. Can you talk to us a little bit about what's what's new out of these? So when we're gonna be implementing these impact-based severe thunderstorm warnings, For us on our side, it'll be pretty much seamless, but on the user's side, you'll see some slightly different wording. Um, So what happens is when we're looking at a storm, when we go to issue that warning, we have certain uh, buttons that we can press for what we're seeing in the storm. Are we seeing, you know, 60 mile per hour winds or 70 mile per hour winds or, or whatever? And then we can add context to that. We can add a little bit more information. Once we're seeing a thunderstorm that um, could become severe, that's when we issue our severe thunderstorm warning. And again, that's generally about 60 mile per hour winds or one inch hail or hail the size of a quarter in diameter. If we're looking at say 70 mile per hour winds and maybe hail that's 1.75 inches, something like that in diameter, that's when what's going to fall out of that warning uh, a little tag will uh, fall out at the very bottom and that's going to say considerable it'll be a damage tag of considerable because when you're talking 70 mile per hour winds and 1.75 inch hail or 1.75 inch hail you could get quite a bit of damage out of that now every once in a while we get some real doozy of doozies of severe thunderstorms and so if we're looking at winds of 80 miles per hour greater or hail of 2.75 inches or greater, that's going to be a destructive tag. So down at the bottom of that severe thunderstorm warning, it'll be destructive. And that will set off the wireless emergency alert on your phone. If the cell phone, the tower that's covering your cell phone at the time is in that polygon, in that little little box that we draw. So again, we're gonna have our, just our basic severe thunderstorm warning and all, all severe thunderstorms can be dangerous. We're gonna have our considerable, which is 70 mile per hour winds and 1.75 inch hail. And then we're gonna have our destructive, which is 80 mile per hour winds or 2.75 inch hail. Do similar tags exist for tornado warnings? Yes, actually. And those are really, that, that takes a little bit more involvement on the forecaster's part. So for tornado warnings, we have base, considerable, and catastrophic. I know that's confusing. Base, considerable, destructive for severes, base, considerable, catastrophic for tornadoes. Um, So we've got this for tornado warnings also. 
really, um, when we're looking at our base tornado warning, again, that's, you know, we're seeing rotation on the radar. Um, we're concerned that it could put down a tornado anytime. When we upgrade to a considerable, that's when we're maybe getting reports about of a tornado on the ground or we're seeing um, radar confirmation like in our uh, CC or we're getting in again into the jargon, the, the, the tornado debris signatures basically. So we can move up to a um, considerable at that point in order to provide mainly emergency managers with just a little bit more information. Now, all tornado warnings will go off on your wireless emergency alerts. So then after that is your catastrophic tornado. And for any of your viewers or listeners out there who have ever heard of the tornado emergency, um, that was really a thing that started back with the May 3rd, 1999 tornadoes out in Oklahoma. The, the catastrophic tornado warning, that's basically your tornado emergency. And it will have on the headline, a tornado emergency is in effect for whatever location. And that's when we're seeing um, a large confirmed tornado generally headed towards some sort of metropolitan area, but it doesn't have to be a huge metropolitan area. Anytime that we're really concerned about significant loss of life, uh, we would upgrade to that catastrophic or tornado emergency. So Trish, uh, you've been pointing to your phone a lot during this uh, conversation. Uh, the National Weather Service, you all recommend not only having one source of a way to get alerts. How many sources should people have and, and what are some of those sources that uh, that people can look into to receive alerts? As many as possible, because with anything, you want backups and redundant methods. Um, you know, what if we, we, we saw this in um, some of the tornadoes that we had, not just here, but elsewhere last spring, where you had some big tornadoes taking down cell phone towers. Well, if you have the cell phone towers going down, you're not going to get that WIA or the wireless emergency alert. So ideally, you'd have a NOAA weather radio because that will go off and that will be very obnoxious and it will wake you up. <laughs> and that's that's really your best bet, because as long as it's plugged in and it's working, you know, people turn off their WIAs on their phone. They Some people have. Have, are pretty savvy and know how to turn that off, we would recommend that they don't, but some people do. Or maybe your cell phone isn't charged, maybe it's, uh, you know, the battery died or whatever. So there, there's there's your NOAA weather radio, your standard NOAA weather radio, um, your cell phone. There are your favorite local TV meteorologists. Maybe some of the TV stations have apps that you could use, you could download. I believe FEMA has an app that you can download. We in the National Weather Service do not have an app but some of the state um, emergency management partners that we work with do, like South Carolina EMD. I believe they've got an app. So there are lots of different apps out there that would work in addition to the WIA on your phone. Again, there's there's social media. So Twitter, Facebook, following your, your, your favorite weather people, um, whether it's a TV meteorologist, you guys, anything that we issue is gonna go out on our, our social media channels and lots of you guys out there will retweet that for people. So that's a pretty good way. now. We recommend you don't rely on social media because sometimes, you know, those, those systems can go down. Um, but that's why it's important to have multiple ways to receive warnings. So if the cell phone tower gets hit, maybe you can still get it on the NOAA weather radio and so on and so forth. All right. That was Trisha Palmer speaking to our Evan Fisher and Scotty Powell earlier in the year talking about what is now taking effect, changes to the WIA, the wireless emergency alerts that come to your phone. And as she just mentioned, having multiple ways to get severe weather alerts are critical. So you can have your phone, you can have an analog weather radio, 
Maybe you sign up for a reverse phone call system to a landline if you still have one of those. Um, and uh, while I'm just reaching for things that are in reach of me, uh, hand crank radios are also a great way to go to. They might have a flashlight functionality with them, AM, FM, or even a flashlight functionality on them. Um, Jared, I don't know. Do you have anything within reach of you? This is a challenge now on this live show. Yeah, that, that is a challenge. And unfortunately, all of my stuff is usually is usually across the room. Um, the, the, the closest thing I've got, I mean, he'll probably start barking at some point. Is the um, dog? I don't think yeah. that's going to help. Yeah, he, he typically he typically is looking for me, but I mean, if he hears something, you know, he'll get angry at it. But I mean, but but James, you're exactly right, it, it, and we've got to have you know, it, it's so important uh, that your systems that your warning systems are redundant. I mean, you know, when we're doing coverage here, when we're looking at you know just day to day data, I have two or three different sources, even of just radar data. Um, and satellite data, much less warning information. So it, it, it's always good to have redundancies there because things do fail. And, you know, you, you don't want to take that chance. And, and especially, <laughs> and I want to echo, even though that we exist on social media, that is our yeah. lifeline. That is our, that is our thing. I am telling you, do not use us as a sole source. I, I've, I've gotten messages from people. Yeah, we, we're a supplement here. We are, you know, we, we are a, a nice supplement to that. We can give a lot of really good context to these things, but it should not be the primary way that you get warnings. And it often, and it's kind of funny, I used to get messages. It's like, man, you're the only one I listen to. You're the only guy I get all my stuff from you. It was like, and I'm like, oh, dear God, please don't, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, please, like, let's, you know, get you know, get some, you know, get, let's get some other stuff in the rotation, get you a weather radio, get you, you know, I love weather you, radios. Yeah. Get your weather radio, get your local news app. Your local news apps are going to give you the polygon warning for free. Like you don't have to even, you don't have to pay for that. So they're going to give you the polygon warning and it, and they even can speak in the tone of your favorite television meteorologist. So, I mean, so there's a lot of interesting things that it can do. Yeah. All the things work together as a mosaic because the last thing, as Trisha mentioned, if the cellular network goes down and you're waiting for your cell phone to wake you up in the middle of the night, then having the weather radio creates a redundancy or vice versa. Their system's not impenetrable to wind damage either. But again, very curious to know if you're watching us live right now on Facebook or YouTube, how you get your alerts. But I think having these expanded WIA alerts will be real good. And I can't think of the last time I even saw a severe thunderstorm warning for a storm capable of producing 80 mile per hour winds. Those are the, okay. the class of storms mm-hmm. that are going to trigger this um, because that's like a that's a category one hurricane. When's the last time you saw a severe thunderstorm warning like this? We were here covering Elsa. Oh. Charleston issued a severe thunderstorm warning for that's 80 right. mile an hour winds for Hilton Head. If they had issued it and if that had come out today, for example, that would have set off phones in Hilton Head, Beaufort County for 80 mile an hour straight line winds. So, right. so, so that is what that's designed for. The, the, really, the idea is, is that in the upper Midwest, you often get, you know, you get these long lived mesoscale convective systems that can spread wind damage over a long duration. Um, you hear them called derechos. That's a, that's a term for, that's a specific Duration. term. Derecho, derecho, yeah, it means right. Tomato, tomato. Yeah, it, 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 what, you know, whatever. But the point, bad windstorm, right? It, but they did not have a way to get. That's right. The, the information out to people who were outside, 
for a bad windstorm. And if there's one thing I know about severe thunderstorm warnings is that, like it or not, people really don't consider those as important. Just gloss right over them. Yeah. And so I really of it. I think we all are. And so, you know, so they do issue those for a reason. They're not doing that for your health. I mean, their their health rather than doing it for your health. So you don't get hit on the head with a hailstone. You've Uh, heard us say it. Wind is wind. So mm -hmm. whether it's coming at you maybe in a wall, like a severe thunderstorm warning or in a funnel, like a tornado warning. Wind damage is wind damage. So again, to recap, changes that took effect on August 2nd for the wireless emergency alerts that come to your phone, to all tornado warnings will continue to come to your phone. Uh, the highest tier flash flood warnings will come to your phone. I'm forgetting the word, and Trisha even joked about it in the episode, how it's it's not, a, it's the equivalent, but they used a different word than they use for severe thunderstorm warnings because those are the destructive 80 mile per hour. Uh, yeah, destructive. Yeah, catastrophic. Yeah, catastrophic. Considerable catastrophic. Um, it, it, for for flash floods, it's considerable. Is the is the is the the main. There's a certain irony to all of this because it's all a part of the Weather Service multi-year initiative to repair and simplify their hazards. And we have a link in our show description right now to our 2019 interview we did with Eli Jacks at the Weather Service talking about how they were trying to consolidate the number of flood products and make things easier to understand. So rather than have a bunch of products that mean different variations of the same things, right, we're going to take the products that you know, like the severe thunderstorm warning, and then we're going to kind of almost make a hierarchical t- you know, tier to them. But by not using the same words across, I was like, oh, yeah. so close, guys, so close. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, I'm sure that, there, you know, I'm sure that there's going to be assessments on this down the road. Emergency managers are constantly, there's a constant stream of feedback going back and forth between the Weather Service, especially during the, the hazard simplification program uh, that's going on right now. In fact, there's a, there is a, there's a public survey open right now. Um, I believe there's not too much longer to take it, but there's a public survey open right now to give comments on the potential removal of advisories. Right. No more advisories. So right now it's a watch warning advisory system. What people don't understand is that a watch to an advisory is an upgrade that actually yeah. gets lost. An it's advisory, an advisory is like, it's like a baby warning, right? It, it's, it's, it, it, it's like, baby it's, warning. it's, yeah. Well, it's I mean, a I small guess small amount of something happening as opposed yeah. to a warning, which is a large amount of something happening. That's life. threatening. Or, or, you know, or highly impactful. And so, so for example, in Charleston, we go under flood advisories, like freaking all the time. And so it would be interesting in a world where we don't have flood advisories, um, we're just going to issue those as plain text statements. Um, uh, I really don't want to have to write a parser for that. So, um, so all of that, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, automated systems ultimately handle that. Uh, that's part of the consideration is the dissemination of all this. Uh, putting in our, our live chat right now, that 2019 interview, where we get into a lot of all this. But mm-hmm. let me turn the page, Jared. Uh, right now, we're in the beginning of August. September is when our Atlantic hurricane season statistically peaks. And looking at the Atlantic Basin today, we're starting to see signs that it's revving up it started off real strong let's not forget just because we had a small break here where things calmed down for a minute let's not forget that we've already had five storms many of which were are or were nearly the earliest name storm right elsa becoming again the earliest e storm it's 2020 yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and uh so you have an update for us right now on what the tropics look like here in the beginning of Mm -hmm. august i'm going to strap in 
bring us up to speed. <laughs> yeah. So, so again, when we when we go out, and we look at the we look at the tropics. You know, it, it, as James mentioned, it has been pretty calm the last few weeks. Uh, a lot of the action has been in the Pacific, and, uh, and you know, and 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 these are phases of something called the Madden-Julian oscillation. And without getting too nerdy on you, we're now shifting into a phase of that global oscillation that now favors uh, more rising air in the Atlantic um, and thus more active, more activity on the intertropical convergence zone, more, you know, just, just more disturbances in general. And the hurricane center outlook definitely uh, points to that. James, I don't know if you have the, uh, if you have the graphic there. Um, I don't. Can you try to share it again? Let let me, um, yeah, give me just a second here, but, what we're going to do is we're going to show you the uh, the eight o'clock outlook from the National Hurricane Center here um, here in a little bit. But I think the first thing that we want to talk about, too, is that before we get into what's going on out there now, um, today was a big day because NOAA updated their their seasonal forecast. So uh, Colorado state and NOAA are two big, you know, Colorado state, you know, the late Jim Gray, Dr. Gray, his, and his team, Phil Klotz back in his team. Uh, and then NOAA has their own uh, seasonal forecasters within the hurricane center. They went first and uh, Colorado state, I understand, I think is going to update in the next few days. So as we get into the peak, we start to see these get updated. And, and, and so, one thing to note is that, as, as James mentioned, we have had uh, – we're starting on a record pace. And it's hard to believe that we're starting on a record pace after we started on a record pace last month uh, – or last year, rather. Um, we beat 2021 – we beat 2020, the, late, the earliest East form, with Elsa. Edward held that basically for less than – held that trophy for less than a year. And then Elsa came along – and did that. And keep in mind that four out of the five named storms have affected the Carolinas in some sort of way too. So I think that's a that's an important thing to keep in mind too. So um, it's it's already been somewhat busy here uh, over here in the tropics for us. But but the revised forecast brings the n- number of named storms up from thirteen to twenty to fifteen to twenty one. And again, this is taking into account the named storms that have already occurred. So so there could be at least ten more. There could be 15, 16 more. That is certainly a possibility. Seven now to 10 hurricanes. Time to remind people that we ran out of names last year. Yeah, we ran out of names last year. And again, last year just completely blew by these seasonal forecasts. Like it, it just, the seasonal forecast had to be adjusted again in September because they realized that it was going to be insufficient. I hope we don't get there. And, and there's a couple, there's, there's probably a couple limiting factors to that. Uh, as well, but seven to ten hurricanes, three to five major hurricanes. That's the seasonal outlook now from NOAA updated today. We've already had five named storms. We could have another ten to fifteen to sixteen. Um, if we run out of names, there's a supplemental list this year. We've stopped using the Greek alphabet because Eta and Theta and all those they ended up sounding the same, and people got confused. So, uh, so we're moving on from that and. There's, there's going to be a new name list. Hopefully, we don't ever have to use it. Hopefully, that can just stay where it is. Um, but the next name storm will be named Fred, and we may have a couple candidates for a future Fred here going on in the Atlantic right now. So uh, first place we got is um, close, closer to land here. It's the, uh, uh, the, the weather Twitter likes to call it the yellow crayon. So we'll just call it the yellow blob here. And um, this has got a 20% chance of uh, turning into something in the next five days. Basically, it's, it, it, you know, 
at this time of year, we start seeing these tropical waves um, get going in, you know, in this neck of the woods here, getting about, you know, past 50, 40, 30 west. Um, and so, so we have this wave here. This is going to be approaching the Lesser Antilles over the next few days. Um, has a chance um, in the next five days of maybe becoming a tropical system. There's a couple models that have hit that have hit on it as possibly, you know, closing off the circulation and becoming a, a tropical cyclone of some type. So we'll keep an eye on that. And then when we go out further towards uh, Africa, we this area has not yet emerged off the coast. So this is going to come off the coast of Africa tomorrow, probably tomorrow night. And this one has a little bit better shot. This is going to have a little bit more runway here. Um, again, 48 hours, you know, it, it needs to get off land first. Uh, but don't tell that to Claudette either. Um, and <laughs> if you remember Claudette and how weird that one was, but, um, but, but this guy is going to, he's going to come off the coast of Africa here in the next day or so. And then, and then things look good. You know, I mean, we're starting to, again, we're starting to get into that more favorable phase uh, for tropical development in the Atlantic and, and it's Cabo Verde season typically begins uh, right around here. And again, if you remember Elsa where it started, I mean, it started, pretty close to, you know, the Eastern Atlantic, which is climatologically odd for July. We don't normally have tropical systems coming out of there in July. So, uh, but August is a little bit more normal for that. So again, we should see, you know, we're going to see a little uptick in this again. Um, and, and again, if we look at, you know, we're looking at the, uh, the heat map and, and, and our, our, our pal Shea Gibson, he loves, you know, he, he, he always brings this out because this is such a good way to point it out. We're starting to get on the, we're starting to get a, uh, on a few more of the peaks here, but that hurricane season, climatologically speaking, really ramps up when you get up towards September 10th. That's the climatological peak of the season. We are there. So we have a lot of uh, we have a lot to scale. And as we know, with the way the tropics have been the last few years, it can go from zero to 100 uh, in no time flat. Water temperatures are warm, still anomalously warm, not as bad as 2020, at least thus far. So that's one bit of good news. But there is the potential for a La Nina to come back uh, in the next few months. So La Nina is going to be much more favorable for uh, tropical storm formation in the Atlantic because it lowers the wind shear uh, over the Atlantic. Whereas El Nino kicks up the wind shear and kind of kill and, and, and stops the storms from forming as much, but looks like we might be heading into a double dip La Nina. So certainly something to watch as we go. Um, but the, but the good news is, is that you have time to prepare and yeah. now is the time to check your hurricane kit um, you know, visit your state's emergency management. Um, I know here in South Carolina, we have hurricane.sc, which is fantastic. Um, and and that, that's a place, sorry, my dog is going to sit behind me. This is live television, folks. I mean, it's just the way it is. So sometimes my dog is just going to sit behind me. But we have a hurricane.sc, for example, in South Carolina, which is absolutely fantastic. They have a know your zone tool there. So you yeah. can find out your evacuation zones. That is super critical. Critical to know, you know, along the coast, you know, is am I in an evacuation zone? How do I get out uh, when I'm in that evacuation zone? So there's um, things like that. And then and then, of course, how to build a kit. You know, and there's plenty of uh, really good stuff online. You can check with your local weather service office. Yeah. We have some links in the show notes and in our mm-hmm. live chat right now. These actually were sent by Trisha Palmer earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. 
uh, to media outlets and, and partners like ourselves. So it was pretty fitting having heard from her mm-hmm. earlier to also get these hurricane tips. So Jared, thank you for bringing us up to speed as uh, we are one month out from the statistical peak of the Atlantic hurricane season. Yep. Just, uh, everybody just, you know, it, it is much easier to prepare when there is very little out there. So, and it is a lot easier to find things when everybody is not looking for them at the same time. Oh, that's so true. I tried to find an air, new air conditioner portable one last week and they were just gone between demand and supply issues so excellent point now is definitely the time and uh, some live comments as well getting familiar with the NOAA weather radio in your area that is a great idea know which one of those seven channels to tune into maybe it's eight uh, which one's get the strongest? Seven or eight, yeah. and and maybe depending on where you are, you might have a little redundancy. So that's always good too. I know where I am in Charlotte, I got a primary and a secondary that I can go to. So Jared, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thanks to everyone uh, who joined us uh, this week here on the Carolina Weather Group. You can find us anytime throughout the day, streaming for free on YouTube. Just search Carolina Weather Group. We have a daily live stream called the Carolina Weather Net. It features the best of this show, but also real-time weather conditions and, of course, those very important severe weather alerts that we talked about earlier in the show. Those will appear automatically in real-time in the Carolina Weather Net. So we hope you'll check that out. It's available on YouTube for free. No cable or satellite subscription required. So on behalf of Jared Smith, I'm James Briarton. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back here again real soon for more of the Carolina Weather Group.